Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. And if you're new to the podcast, today we're going to feature something very different from the episodes that have gone before. All of the episodes previous to this one, and I will say those following, are conversations that I'm having with various people about the gospel of the kingdom. And I have two main partners at the present time. One of them is a pastor named Jeffrey Harley. Now, I met Jeffrey in 2016 when he and his wife attended the 2016 Deeper Christian Life Conference. The following year, in 2017, Jeffrey attended my annual mastermind gathering for pastors and teachers in titled Ministry Mind, and it was there that I got to know him on a personal level. Then in 2018, Jeffrey attended the 2018 Deeper Christian Life Conference, where I unleashed the gospel of the kingdom in eight messages. Following that, the book Insurgents was released. Those messages are available as a masterclass called Everlasting Domain. I say that all to say this. As an author and a speaker, my goal is not to write books for my own pleasure. It's not to give messages for my health. And it's certainly not for income, for there's very little money in writing books. Not to mention that I don't profit from book royalties. I release these things so that they will get inside of God's people, including those who minister, with the hope that the message will spread and touch countless lives. So as an author, it's one thing when you receive a letter from someone saying, I was really touched and blessed by your book. I was changed by it. That's an incredible blessing. But it is even greater when those who are in ministry, pastors and teachers, etc., are so impacted by what you have written that they have digested it, incarnated it, and now it's pouring out of them. And they're spreading it to the people to whom they serve. And that's exactly what took place with Jeffrey. After he attended the 2018 Deeper Christian Life Conference, he began preaching on the gospel of the kingdom. And in fact, when we started to record the episodes of this podcast, he told me that he had read the book Insurgents six times. And so when he told me he was preaching on the kingdom, I asked him for an audio message and he sent it to me. And I remember exactly the day I heard it. I was at my home sitting outside listening to it and I was floored. And I say I was floored because as someone who has spoken in many, many conferences all over the world, it is very rare, but I hear someone preach that leaves me impressed. It's even rarer when I hear someone preach and I'm stunned. Well, (laughs) after I heard Jeffrey preach on the kingdom, I was both impressed and stunned. And I called him up and we had a conversation and that's when I asked him if he would be willing to be one of my conversation partners for the Insurgents podcast. And so this episode is going to be a little break in the normal rhythm of this podcast. I'm going to feature Jeffrey Harley preaching 
live on the Gospel of the Kingdom, which of course was recorded. And I will follow this up in the future with one or two of the messages I delivered in the 2018 Deeper Christian Life Conference on the Gospel of the Kingdom as well. But next week we will go back to the normal rhythm of conversations with my discussion partners and I talking about different aspects of the Gospel of the Kingdom and answering your questions. One last thing, if you haven't heard the previous episodes, when you finish listening to Jeffrey, please go back and hear them all because each one builds on the other. And we're at the point now where I think that Jeffrey's message fits in perfectly with what's gone before. Secondly, I want to talk to every pastor who's listening to this, especially those of you who are in America and Canada. My hope and my prayer is that Jeffrey's tribe will increase. And you're a pastor or a teacher who speaks regularly to audiences and you have been impacted by insurgents. I want you to consider attending the next Ministry Mind gathering that we have because that event is designed for pastors and teachers who are preaching the kingdom. We spend three intense days with each other and it is not a conference. It is not a seminar. It's not a pastor's network group. It's something completely different. It is a mastermind, which I've discovered most pastors have no idea what masterminds are. But if you are interested, go to ministrymind.org. That's all one word, ministrymind.org. Fill out the application. Registration opens every year, and I would love to meet you in person. And now, here's Jeffrey, a.k.a. Denzel, preaching on the gospel of the kingdom. So what are the three responses we are to have to the gospel of the kingdom of God? Well, number one is you got to hear it. It was rarely preached today, if at all. We must be in a place that is actually proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So therefore, we must be in a place that's preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So if you're sitting under gospel of salvation, then you're just going to look at Jesus as, as you save. You're not even going to know about living by the indwelling life of Christ. You're not even going to have heard of it. Some of y'all never heard of that until a few years ago. So you got to hear it. Number two, you got to obey it. Now when I say obey it, I'm not talking about servile obedience that comes out of your own power or your own nature or your own efforts to obey. Because that's just legalism. I'm talking about a response where you're learning how to live by the indwelling life of Christ, and it is Christ living in you, living it out, or obeying it through you. Therefore, what well, I need to be in a place where I can learn how to practically live by the life of Christ, because it's impossible for me to live the Christian life apart from Christ. And so the first summer I was here, I had Frank's teaching, you know, living by the indwelling life of Christ, but my CD broke. So I'm on the way, I'm trying to get another, another teaching of it. But I've been sharing that and teaching that in Bible study. And so you hear it, you obey it, and then now you can proclaim it. Because you're having the experience of it. And the Holy Spirit will start pointing out things in your life where you're more connected to the world system than Christ. But you got to proclaim it. This gospel needs to be proclaimed. In fact, our mission is to be an embodiment of Jesus Christ in the earth in words and deeds. Right? We read Matthew 24, 9 through 14, but look at uh, verse 14 again. It says, Yet through it all, this joyful assurance 
of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. Providing every nation with a demonstration of the what? Reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will come. Now I propose to you, if this gospel has been lost and is not being preached, how is the end going to come? It's, it's rarely preached in the West. And I've been overseas, and they teach what we went over there and taught them incorrectly. Gospel of salvation. See, now Sister Billy will understand even more why when we was in synagogue, if you're a Muslim in a village and you convert to Christ, they tell you, well, keep going to, you know, Juma or whatever and keep living like a Muslim. So why? So you won't lose economic security. So you won't lose social security. Come on. Jesus said that your family members would hate you. You would be ostracized. The Apostle Paul was married. We don't hear nothing about his wife and children. Come on. They left everything to follow Christ. So there was something about the gospel that was preached. That's gospel salvation. How are you going to tell me I'm saved and I'm still bowing down to demons? So that I can eat. God can't feed you? Mm, come on. Oh, tight but it's right. Strong but keep you from wrong. Come on now. It's got to be proclaimed. This gospel of the kingdom of God needs to be preached and proclaimed and received so that the end will come. Praise God, you're a missionary, but what are you preaching? Ooh, I like it when it's quiet. I like that. What you preaching? Jesus is already Lord of the universe. But we live in what theologians call the already but not yet. The kingdom is now, but it's also later. Therefore, it's imperative that we move by the leading of the Holy Spirit into this new season. We all must hear the gospel of the kingdom of God, and then by the mercy of God, he'll give us a revelation of this message. Then again, we have to rely upon the mercy of God to teach us how to obey the message in our individual lives. I can't tell you, like, you can't do whatever he tell me to do. And I can't come up here and tell you, well, you got to do this, you got to do that, because he told me to do that, because that's just legalism. No, you have to have an intimate face-to-face, day-by-day, moment-to-moment relationship with the Lord and let him speak to you. And if he's Lord, well, you'll see by your response. Then, once again, it's by his mercy that we'll be allowed to proclaim it. Because, as Frank Viola says, and I'm quoting him, he says, to obey the gospel of the kingdom of God and to proclaim it takes an ounce of blood and a pound of flesh. Takes an ounce of blood and a pound of flesh. We are totally inadequate and incapable of responding to the gospel of the kingdom of God in these three ways without the mercy and grace of God. Brothers and sisters, there is a price to pay if we desire to please the Lord. And we will have to pray and ask the Lord to have mercy on us and give us the grace to respond in a manner that's pleasing to him. I believe that the price to pay is worth it. Why? Because the gospel of the kingdom of God is designed to lead us into an experience of the king and his kingdom realm. As people of God, the citizens of heaven, we are redeemed to experience living in his presence now. Knowing Jesus Christ is imperative for us. Amen? So John 17, 3, he says, listen, eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ 
as the son whom you have sent, knowing and experiencing him day by day, moment by moment, as Lord in your life is eternal life. And it's lived now. We can only get to know Jesus Christ better by understanding and obeying the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this is why the church and the Christian faith are in crisis. It's in crisis. Because we have preachers and leaders who either have not heard it or they heard it and they were unwilling to pay the price to experience it. Because you have to experience it before you can stand up and preach it. God is looking for a people who will hear it, obey it, and proclaim it. I mean, in Acts, who's that, Barnabas? He goes back home, sells his business, sells his land, brings the money, and lays it at the apostles' feet. They relocated. And me, I grew up in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Apologize for getting a little too personal. And I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia, because I looked at Emory University as being a good school to give me the education that I needed to be successful in the business that I wanted to do. And people will relocate to another part of the country for their job, for a better job. But what about if Jesus asked you to relocate for him? Huh? Oh, come on now. What about Jesus asked you to be inconvenienced for him, move and do something for him? We don't see that type of devotion in the body of Christ. The Christians of the first century were what we would call insurgents. Y'all seen the war in Iraq? Insurgents, right? And insurgents is an organized opposition intended to change or overthrow the existing authority. And insurgents is a revolution. It's an attempt to overthrow the status quo, the present status quo. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of the kingdom of God, like I said, when properly pronounced, sounds treasonous. God is looking for Christians like this today. These are not your typical Christians. We've misunderstood what allegiance to Jesus looks like because of the deluded gospel that we preach. But the Lord is birthing a revival. He's birthing an insurgence with the restoration and the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I believe that as this gospel is preached, as this gospel is heard, as this gospel is obeyed, that we're going to see a revolution in this world. And the ecclesia is built on the blood of martyrs. So it might end up costing some blood. So look at Acts 17, 1 through 7. Verse 4. Some of the Jews were convinced that their message was true. So they joined Paul and Silas along with a, quite a few prominent women and a large number of Greeks who worshiped God. Oh, but. That's a transition. But many of the Jews were motivated by what? Bitter jealousy and formed a large mob out of the troublemakers, unsavory characters, and street gangs to incite a riot. Don't even sound like these were people who were at the church or the synagogue. They set out to attack Jason's house, for he had welcomed the apostles into his home. The mob was after Paul and Silas and sought to take them by force and bring them out to the people. When they couldn't find them, they took Jason instead, you'll do, along with some of the brothers in his house church and dragged them before the city council. Along the way, they screamed out. Listen to what they screamed. Those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down and have come here to our city, and now Jason and these men have welcomed them as guests. They're traitors to Caesar. 
teaching that there's another king named Jesus. I told you when the gospel is proclaimed, the kingdom of God, it sounds treasonous. But we got to be honest. Where do we hear in America that Christians are turning the world upside down because of their love and devotion to Jesus Christ? They're turning it upside down because they don't want to make a cake to a homosexual couple for the wedding. They're having a fuss about that. But what are they doing with Jesus Christ that turns the world upside down? What are we doing? We obey the gospel of the kingdom of God and become the embodiment of Jesus Christ in the earth out of our love for God. See, if love is present, then love starts to make demands. Right? One of the demands of love is obedience. Romans 5 and 8 says, But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Then 1 John 5 and 3 says, True love for God means obeying His commands. And His commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you mean I'm just not saved by grace? I can't just disobey you and, you know, I got the blood and... Amen. Yeah, that's the problem. He do know your heart. That's right. Uh, do you know your heart? Da -da -da -da. Hey, come on. I need to re now. Here's what I need to remind you, right? I need to remind you of this, and this is why I remind you of this every week. Because when we get into these deeper things, you could be, you know, knocked under the wood pile, right? If you've been converted by the Holy Spirit, the Lord loves you, and nothing can separate you from that love. Amen. Nothing can separate you from that. So if you shrink back from the Lord and the message of the gospel of the kingdom, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Amen? Our obedience cannot be done in our own natural strength. But our obedience springs from his love that is in us. And we love him back with his love and his life. You can't do it in yourself. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It says, for it is Christ's love that does what? Fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means that all died with him. I can't wait to get the baptism. So that those who live, listen, should no longer live self-absorbed lives. Selfish lives. Sinful lives. Right? But lives that are poured out for him. Selflessness lives. Right? The one who died for us. And now lives again. Amen. Our obedience to the gospel, the kingdom of God, springs from a love of the king. We're motivated and fueled by his love. The gospel, the kingdom of God, is at variance, at war with every other kingdom in this world. The gospel, the kingdom of God, is at war with every political, religious, social, and economic system of this world. And it's toppled them. Therefore, if we're going to be the corporate embodiment of Jesus Christ and be at war with all these worldly, earthly systems as we sever our ties with them, then we must be motivated and fueled by the love of God and an intimate and vibrant relationship with Him. Because you won't last. You'll burn out, quit, in your own strength. We have been called to rise up a tribe of people, a new humanity in the earth that will hear the gospel of the kingdom of God, obey the gospel of the kingdom of God, and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God in a fallen and dark world. And the Lord desires a people who will impact 
this world with the gospel of the kingdom of God. And my prayer is that we desire to be those people. That's my prayer. My prayer is that. And if you don't desire that, I still love you. But I'm moving forward. The kingdom of God, oh, I might not get no amens on this one, but I'd like it. The kingdom of God is not an attempt to make the world a better place. Well, I get just some amens. See, I thought for years that the kingdom of God centered around social justice, but I was wrong. The kingdom of God centers around Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And if we make anything else the center of our worship, we push Jesus to the margin. Racism, sexism, war, injustice, and hatred have been here since the dawn of fallen human nature. Let's read the Bible. Look at the first two brothers in the earth. Cain killed his brother Abel. Abel's life was unjustly taken by Cain, and where I read, Abel's unarmed. Y'all can I get that? So that now I, I, I didn't see Adam and Eve when none of the other people start being Abel's life matters. Oh, I know I'm in the hood, too. Oh, I ain't seen them say Abel's life matters. Start putting up signs and protesting. Huh? Did they? No. The killing of unarmed black people by the police is another manifestation of the fallen nature of man in our world. That's what that is. These issues have always been with humanity. The gospel of the kingdom of God is not about making the world a better place. The gospel of the kingdom of God is about being a better place in a fallen world. We are the better place in a fallen world. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We have been called to show the world what love really looks like. Everybody in the world doesn't know what love is. We've been called to show the world what it looks like when a group of people, white and black, young and old, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, come together and live a shared life under the headship of Jesus Christ. Where there is no lack. Because the brother that has, amen, I prophesy. Gives to the brother who's dead. But see, to do that means you have to sacrifice to live shared life. Mm, that means giving up some time. This is the ecclesia. That's the divine habitat. This is who we are and who we are called to be. When you know who you are and whom you are, you can go far. Brothers and sisters, in the ecclesia, there is no murder. There is no racism. There is no sexism. There is no war. And there is no inequality. The ecclesia is a better place in a fallen world. The world doesn't know what real agape love is. But if there's a group of people who come together and live in and through the shared life of Jesus Christ and under the headship of Jesus Christ, then the world can visit and see what it looks like. They can come and see what life looks like when God is in control. I wasn't planning on saying this, but the theme music of tears. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Bum, 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 bum. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see 
Troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows you. That's sad life. That's how much the world wants it. They put it on a TV show, and we remember the song from 20, 30 years ago. At least I did. Right? And, and guess what? They were there every episode. They made their way to that third-party place to what? Be together. And encourage, strengthen, and edify one another. Come on now. Oh, glory, glory. I didn't know I was going to use cheers as an example. Hallelujah. This life, this corporate life, is the result of the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we see it. We see it in the New Testament communities that were planted by Paul. All of Paul's letters to the churches was correcting them when they either were deceived into legalism or libertinism. And his first letter, Galatians, right, that he corrected both. The first couple chapters, he addresses the legalism, and by chapter 5, he says, stand fast in the liberty that you have in Christ. But what? Don't give opportunity for the flesh. Amen? Amen? And the Holy Spirit was using those letters to get the people of God back in alignment with the eternal purpose of God. And lastly, if you notice, Christians that try to make a world a better place tend to try to do it through the fallen political, social, religious, and economic systems that were created by the fallen nature. You ever think about that? We're going to make sure we get everybody registered to vote so we can get candidate whoever. Let me tell you something. God is not a Democrat. God is not a Republican. God is God alone. Because it really doesn't matter who's elected president when I'm in the ecclesia and living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. My economics don't change because of who's in the White House. My economics don't change because who's in the State House. And my economics don't change because of whatever they call City Hall. It doesn't matter. I vote. But I ain't falling apart when the person that I voted for didn't get in. And I'm not distracted, and I'll use that system for resources, but I won't bow down to it. Mm. Selah. You look at the United States, they made corporations human beings. Which wasn't what God said. He said he made them male and female, not ink. Come on now. The kingdom of God includes what? The people who are ruled by Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is embodied by people who have submitted to the kingship of Jesus Christ in their lives. Not in a head nod and check off, I believe it, but in, re in experience. Listen to me. If you look at the radical Islamic terrorist groups of today, then you get a picture of what the commitment and devotion of the first century church looked like. Radical Islamic terrorists give everything to their movement, right? They give their time. They give their money. They give their bodies. You see stories of Americans, Caucasian and black, relocate to Yemen to be trained, save the money, to buy the airplane ticket, and give up everything. Amen? They give all of their heart and soul to their radical Islamic agenda. And they live and breathe and die for their movements. Now, you take that devotion, you take that love, and you take that commitment, and you compare it to the average Christian of today, and you got to kind of scratch your head and ask yourself, well, who got the truth here? 
You got to ask yourself, who got the truth? If you lived in the first century and gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you were radicalized to the one true Lord of the universe. That's where you were. You were radicalized. I got a handout. I didn't make enough copies. I got it from off the Deeper Christian Life Network. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'll read it to you. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, enemy of the state, executed for treason. April A.D. 30. Jesus of Nazareth was executed today on the orders of the Roman state. The method of execution? Crucifixion. The charge under Roman law was treason. Under Herodian law, blasphemy against the temple. The evidence against this anarchist was so strong that authorities of both the Roman state and the kingdom of Herod concurred with the arrest and execution. And he was subjected to trial by both governments. And in a rare uprising of spontaneous collective justice, the mass of people who were gathered for Passover called for his execution as well. The mob affirmed their loyalty to the state, chanting, we have no king but Caesar. Friday's execution ended a career as an anti-government agitator with a long history of lawlessness. The family was in possession of falsified, illegal, and unsanctioned genealogical records which claimed to indicate that Jesus was of royal lineage and undermined the legitimate claim of Herod to the throne. The malicious claim, which had been spread widely among the people, is that the king is an Udeman and not a Jew. The king is tormented by this claim and laments that shortly after his father's rise to power, the genealogical records, which would have certainly have proven his legitimate right to reign, perished in a mysterious fire, likely set by anti-government agitators. Even as a young child, Jesus was recognized as an enemy of the state and was sentenced to death by the current king's predecessor, Herod the Great. Subversive foreign agents lied to the king, the three wise men, and with their help, Jesus and his family escaped the lawful orders of the government authority by illegally emigrating to Egypt, where they remained in hiding until the death of the king. Afterwards, they are known to have illegally immigrated back into greater Israel, where they settled in Galilee, toward the edge of the kingdom and far from the swift justice of the capital region. Jesus, who was also treasonously called the Christ by his followers, embarked on a public career roughly three years ago with the assistance of his cousin John, who himself was executed by the state for lack of respect for the office of the king. Jesus' criminal career included public insults of the king. He called Herod a fox and a reed blowing in the wind. He was able for a time to avoid arrest through a tactic of cleverly disguising his anti-government propaganda in the form of coded answers, suggested but ambiguous analogies, parables, by which he managed to gather a following without giving clear evidence of his treasonous views. However, his anti-government propaganda eventually became undeniable. Predicting the destruction of Herod's temple and even denying its legitimacy, declaring it to be desolate. His execution was swift and merciless, and his disciples have been scattered. Authorities are confident that his name will quickly be forgotten, while Rome, the eternal city, will last forever. The temple built on the power of the Roman state and Herodian kingship will stand forever. Authorities assure the people that the ultimate punishment on which all state power rests, death by execution, is the final word on this short episode in Roman history. Ain't that something? If we lived in the first century and gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You are radicalized to the one true Lord of the universe. And brothers and sisters, we've lost that. We've lost it. Can you imagine what it would look like if there was a group of people living like that? Hmm? Can you imagine that? These people have one goal in their lives, and that is to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and be the living embodiment of Jesus Christ in the earth. The issues that are debated daily on television, at your workplace, at the bus stop, etc., that's not in their community. Why? Because they're living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And they have heard the gospel of the kingdom of God. They are obeying the gospel of the kingdom of God by the indwelling life of Christ. And they are proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God that topples nations, destroys the status quo, and brings the rulers of this world to their knees. We need a restoration of that kingdom message. And we need to become, by the Lord's mercy, a corporate people who hear it, obey it, and proclaim it. I'm pouring my heart out to you because my dream, my passion, my heart, my only focus in life is to live like this in the earth before Jesus returns or he takes me to be home with him. That's all I want. I pray that you'll join me on this journey. It's time to join the insurgency of Jesus Christ in the earth that began over 2,000 years ago. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. If I got to relocate, then we move it, honey. I want that. Because that's what God's heart, that's what Frank calls God's magnificent obsession. I want to be a part of his magnificent obsession. The insurgency that began 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ conquered the grave by the resurrection power of God the Father. And we have been chosen as his body on the earth to continue that insurgency. And there's no other vocation in the universe that is more honorable or more privileged, more to be a part of than that. And that is my goal. That is my heart. That, I guess, will be our theme. And that's the journey that I've joined up with some folks on. And I'm praying that the Lord will speak to you and you'll want to join also. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.